Good morning to all of you and welcome to this part of the service. We're here to study the good old Bible. It's not a, it's not a new word. It's not a new book. We're not here to, to study something or look at something that has never been looked at before. And yet one of the things that I find so inspiring about the Bible is that it's always new, <laughs> even though it's, it's many, many thousands of years old, yet it's new. Each and every time I read it, I, I, I find different things in the Bible that, that stick out to me that perhaps I hadn't seen before, and, and I think you older ones could, could give testimony of the same thing, that even though you've been reading the Bible perhaps for 40 or 50 or 60 years, Yet maybe you just read something in the last week that well, you hadn't seen that before. It, it struck you in a new way. And so we're here this morning to study the, the good old Bible that's more than just a book. It's more than just children's stories, but it's power for living the Christian life. There's a verse from Hebrews that, that I like in a special way because it it strengthens me as I consider my responsibilities and the things that are before me in life. And that is the verse that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. Now, we live in a world full of changes. <laughs> You might think that, that you're settled in to a certain routine and, and just like that it changes, whether it's uh, employment at work or whether it's, uh, you know, something at home or you name it. We're in a world full of changes. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is, is unchanging. He's the same he, has, he always has been the same. He'll always be the same. And so, maybe there's some things in your life right now that, that look very big. Maybe you are experiencing changes in your life that are unsettling to you. Maybe there's some changes uh, that you're experiencing that you would have never chosen if you had the choice to make yourself. But once again, the fact that Jesus Christ never changes brings a lot of courage and brings a lot of stability to life. Because we can, we can look into the future and know that, yes, even though life is full of changes, yet... Jesus Christ doesn't. He is the rock. We can trust Him. And so maybe it's, so we think about big things this morning. Maybe it's something in relation to your job that, that looks big to you. Well, there's, there's some teachers here among us this morning that are experiencing something new <laughs> this week. Maybe that looks really big to you, and I can imagine it would big things that are unsettling to you. Maybe it's your health. 
that is, is looking really big to you, some, some needs in your body that have been unsettling, that are, that are worrying you. And as we're moving into a new church and Sunday school year, uh, many of you have responsibilities that may look big to you. And, and you wouldn't have necessarily chosen them, and yet you have been chosen uh, by the voice of the church to fulfill these responsibilities. Maybe that looks big to you. We're getting ready to start another season of Echo Ministry. That's a big responsibility. Maybe that feels big to you. And yet, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. I find it encouraging to remember that the God who we read about in the stories of the Bible is the same God that is working in the story of my life and your life here today. And we want to go to a good old classic that's often referred to as a children's story. And that's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I invite you to turn to that. And we're going to look this morning at the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. We're going to talk about giants this morning. And really not so much about giants as what we do with giants. <laughs> okay? I've titled the message, Tips for Taking on Giants. Tips for taking on giants. You see, the truth is that most of us will face giants of some kind, some shape, some form in the coming days. A giant, you could say, is something that looks really big to you. It's something that might be scary to you. Something that you would just as soon not deal with, and yet it's in front of you. What are you going to do with the giants in your life? How will you take on your giant? It's a question that you can ask yourself. And so we have these big things in front of us. And yet God allows them to be there, and God even places them there at times for our own good, to build us up, to grow us, to strengthen us, to test us, to sharpen us. But He also allows them there to bring Himself honor and glory. And so we want to look here at the story of David and Goliath. And we want to note some tips that can help us fight the giants in our life today. And so we're going to read through this. Follow along. I hope you have your Bible with you. And I'm going to read a number of verses here that paint this picture we find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together in Shaco, 
which belongs to Judah, and pitched between Shaco and Azekah in Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one went before him. Now let's just pause for a moment and, and note this giant that we're talking about in this passage. His name was Goliath. Now... Goliath was a descendant of the Anakites. We read about the Anakites in Deuteronomy chapter 9. It says the Anakites were a tall and strong people. They were unusually, unusually tall, unusually big. Well, Goliath and his brothers were descendants of the Anakites, as well as the man that we read about who had six fingers and six toes. Well... Six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, <laughs> okay? That would be a scary man, wouldn't it be? But here we see that Goliath was over nine feet tall. Now, Uncle Mark, how, how tall is this standard over here probably? Six, eight. Six, eight. Okay, well, we're looking at another... Two and a half to three feet above this. That's where the top of his head was. The top of his head was like at that vent up there. That's just a really big guy. That would even make Chad scared. <laughs> but can, can you imagine, you know, just put, in that pers just put that in perspective that, I mean, that's something else. Over nine feet tall, his armor weighed around 150 pounds, just the armor that he put on. And his spear weighed almost 20 pounds, just the, the head of the spear. So just kind of wrap your mind around that if you can. We're talking about a really, really big guy. Now let's move on. Verse 8. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and ye servants? you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. In other words, that back in those days, well, Jesse at this point was just a pretty old fella, okay? 
And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him were Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now it says he returned from Saul because you'll note earlier in the passage before this that, that David was called, they were searching for a fella, a young man that could play because they realized that when Saul was having his, his really disturbing times, if they could play beautiful music, it would soothe him and make him feel better. So they searched out and they found little David and they found that he could play very well on his harp, and so David would come in and play for Saul during these times and would make him feel better. Anyway, so that's what it's referring to there. David went, he returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. Verse 17, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren, and carry these ten cheeses, Sounds good. Unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Now, it's not speaking about his buggy. Uh, there, when it says carriage, it's speaking of his supplies, the stuff he took with him. Okay, He left his stuff there in the hand of the stuff keeper and ran to the army. Verse 23, And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion... The Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. That the man who killeth him, the king will great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Or in other words, he'll make his father's house exempt from paying taxes. <laughs> well, that sounds nice. Verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, 
Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and it out of his mouth. was against me, I caught him by the beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. Uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine and Saul said unto David go and the Lord be with thee and Saul armed David with his armor and he put an helmet of brass upon his head also he armed him with a coat of mail and David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it and David said unto Saul I cannot go with these for I have not proved them and David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on, and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves or sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into thine hand, into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands." And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. And we'll stop there. Okay, the story of David and Goliath. Now, we're, we're thinking this morning more about, not so much about the giant itself, but about how we take on giants in our life. Tips for taking on giants. What are some tips that we can glean from this classic story from the Bible? Number one. Never allow the size or the difficulty of the situation to keep you from trying. Never allow the size or the difficulty of the situation to keep you from trying. Now, let's note here again the response of Saul and the men of Israel. They responded with much fear. Note verse 11. It says that, they were dismayed. They were greatly afraid. Look at verse 24. It says that 
When they saw the man, they fled. They ran away. And it says they were sore afraid. That was their response. And I say, when we forget God, when we forget God, and we simply focus on the physical magnitude of the situation in life, we're done before we even start. Saul and his men were shaking with fear. They looked at, at this, this huge giant of a man. They looked at the, at the physical aspects of all this. They started thinking through the logistics of, of how this could work. And they said, we can't do it. There's no way we can do it. I say they were done before they even started. But notice David's response in verse 32. He said, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Go and fight with this Philistine. Let no man's heart fail because of him. David's response. And, you know, physically speaking, I'm sure that Goliath looked just as big to David as he did to Saul in the army, physically speaking. I mean, he was still nine feet tall, okay? That didn't change. And yet, because of David's faith in God, he saw this situation as doable. Let no man's heart fail. And yet, they both saw the same thing, but there was completely different perspectives. Why? Because of David's faith in God, you see. Someone has put it this way. In every circumstance of life, God is glorified when we learn to see beyond the physical reality of this world to the spiritual. When we fail to see God as omnipotent, we often set ourselves up for a crashing disappointment. We live for the present rather than by faith. And we forget that God has our lives in the palm of His hand. And so, the first tip for taking on giants in your life is to never allow the size or difficulty of the situation to keep you from trying. Secondly then, you're never too young to be useful. And this is for all of us, but maybe specifically for you younger ones. Maybe you children. Maybe you youth. You're never too young to be useful. Now we read here that, that David was the youngest of eight boys. I'm not sure if he had sisters or not. It doesn't say that right here. Boys in Jesse's family. And David was the very youngest. Although David was the very youngest, yet he felt responsibility to do something. He didn't wait around hoping that Eliab or, or Shammah or his other be the leaders and lead out and do something. No, obviously they were scared. Even though he was the youngest, that didn't keep him from feeling responsible in this situation. 
In essence, he said, look, this is ridiculous. This man cannot get away with defying God, with defying the armies of God, of Israel. We can learn so much from the faith and the trust of a child. Children often have a simpler, clearer view of the power of God. The older ones that have learned to think through, <laughs> whether that's good or bad, think through the situation. Too often, our view of God gets blocked by the giant that is standing in the way. Instead of seeing God as we ought, we keep shifting our, our gaze back and forth from, from, from us to the giant. And, and that's what's keeping our attention. We tend to compare ourselves with the giant instead of comparing the giant with God. You see, now I'm reminded of Jeremiah, of God's call to Jeremiah. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet and to preach the word of God to the people. And what did Jeremiah, how did Jeremiah respond? He said, Oh no, no, I am but a child. I'm just a child. This is too big for me. And what did God say? God said, do not say that you're just a child because I am with you. I am with you. Later in Jeremiah, God says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? That's a powerful verse. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? <laughs> and the resounding answer is, absolutely not. There is nothing too difficult for God. And so, children and young people, don't let your age hinder you from being useful in the work of the Lord. In fact, Jesus said that unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, David here in this story, David had a childlike faith. Now, that's not... A wimpy faith, not at all. Instead, that's the kind of faith that God is looking for. And because of his willingness to be used, God displayed his mighty power through him. And so, we're never too young to be useful. A third tip, as we think of taking on giants, is don't let others' discouragement and fear keep you from following through. Don't let others' discouragement and fear
going through. Now, once again, let's note some responses here. Uh, note verses 28 through 30, and there we have the, some negative response from Eliab, David's oldest brother. And, and Eliab, you know, th and this is typical of family life. It really is. This wasn't just something that was unique to Eliab and David. No, here we have an oldest brother and we have a youngest brother. And obviously there's a big, there's a big difference in their ages. One is more mature than the other. And we have these little back and forth, tit for tat, in family life at times. And here we have Eliab. He was just right disgusted with little David, the little boy of the family. In other words... <laughs> What are you doing here? What do you know about battle? What do you know about life? Look how little you are. Get back and take care of your few sheep. I think that's an interesting way how it's, it's written. Your few sheep. Now there's, there's, some real, there's some real kind of remorse there. There's some, some real uh, words there. And then he says, you're, you're, you came, you're just curious. You came to see what's going on. And then once again, another response from Saul in verse 33. Saul says, you're not able to do this. You can't get, you're just a youth. And this giant has been fighting. He has been a man of war since he was your age. Okay? Now, that was the negative response. David had a choice to make. David could have said, what am I thinking? This is not a good idea. I better go back home, back to the sheep, back to where life is comfortable, back to where I, I know what's going on, back to where I expect. He could, have, he could have said that. But no, instead of getting cold feet about it, David, and I find this interesting, David used negative response as incentive to follow through as incentive. And then, as if to prove that he was really capable, he recounted some of his brave actions out on the hills as he was tending the sheep. And that brings us to another tip, and that is remember past victories. Remember past victories. In verses 34 through 37, David recalls some of those experiences. He was reflecting on the times of experiencing God's power and protection out there with the sheep. And as he reflected on that, it gave him confidence again that God would not let him down. That God had been faithful in the past. That God had done miraculous things for him in the past. And that because of that, God would follow through. God would not let him down this time. And so the deliverance that he experienced in those moments gave him courage to face this giant, to face Goliath. And you, you understand that. And yet how often we forget it. We could simply go around the, the room here and recall how God did wonderful things for us in life. Things that we never expected. Things that we didn't think possible. Almost every one of us would have a story to tell. 
And yet, in our humanness, when there's another giant standing in front of us, we're prone to think, mm, I'm not sure that this is going to work. I, actually, I'm pretty sure it won't. We're prone to think that way. And yet, I say a tip for not only taking on giants in life, but also defeating giants is to remember past victories. Now, the Apostle Paul was a shining example of this. He often referred to what he had been brought through. And certainly, he had been brought through much, more than we could ever imagine. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes this, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. In other words, this was not looking pretty at all. We thought we were going to die. What is it? We had this sentence that we should not but in God who raiseth the dead delivered us from so great a death and he does, doth deliver in whom will yet deliver us. And I think that's beautiful. The testimony of Paul was that that we believe that God will deliver us that God will give us the strength to face the giants in life ahead because of his faithfulness in the past. God has proven himself faithful in the past. He is continually proving himself faithful in the current happenings of our life. Therefore, we are certain that we can step into the future with confidence because of the faithfulness of God. That was Paul's testimony. Our faith in future victories can be sure because of the faithfulness of God in bringing us through in the past. And so, remember past victories. Another tip is to place your confidence in the Lord. Place your confidence in the Lord. David knew that being on the Lord's side was the key to victory. It wasn't in the armor. It wasn't in the kind or size of his weapons? No, because in fact we read that Saul gave him armor. Saul gave him what he needed to stay safe. Saul gave him the right tools, the right weapons to take care of Goliath. I don't know why they didn't try it themselves. <laughs> but he passed them on to David and say, here, you're going to need this. Well, David said, no, no. I have not proved these. <laughs> I'm going to go with what I know works. What was that for David? Well, it was more than one thing. David was well-versed in operating a slingshot, as we see later in the story. And so he knew that worked. But even more than that, David had a, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, central to all of his victories in life. David knew that being on the Lord's side was the key to victory. Now, we're thinking here about placing our confidence in the Lord as we're facing those giants in life.
placing our confidence in the Lord, let's note the contrast of perspective. Uh, note verse 44. What did Goliath say? You know, see, to Goliath, it was all about me. It was all about I. In fact, what is the middle letter? What is the central letter in the name Goliath? It's I. Goliath was all about me. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to take care of you. Me, my, I. It was about Goliath. Goliath said, What did David say? Verse 47, David said, The battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. And although David did say that I will do a few things, it was completely rooted in the fact that this is God's battle. This is not David. I'm not doing this on my own strength. But I'm fighting for God. This is God's battle. David's confidence was in the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. I also note that his, his motive was pure. That all the earth may know, the end of verse 46, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. It wasn't to show how strong and how brave and how risking David was. No. It wasn't for the purpose of bringing himself glory. Look, did you notice what I just did? No, it wasn't that. But it was for God's glory that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Dear people, that is a perspective that we must foster in our lives. The good things that happen, the good things that God allows to happen through us, we'll put it that way, we must be reminded to pass that glory on to the Lord. That all the earth may know that there is a God. You know, how quickly our flesh wants to have some of the credit. Yeah, thank you, Lord, but good job. <laughs> good job. Way to get her done. There's a little part of us that, that just likes to, to have a little bit of the glory at least. I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm glad I was able to do that. Well, David wrote sometime later, that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that was David's, that is what was central in his life. A trust in God. The glory goes to God. And then because of this confidence, we see that David could, he could run quickly and he could face you see, once again, the battle was the Lord's. Sure, David was being used by God, but it wasn't David's battle, it was God's battle. And that gave David confidence to run into the battle and face that giant. Now, I've been told that if you're ever attacked by a bear, that's, that's kind of scary. That's a giant in its own its own. Yeah, that's a giant. Especially when they stand up on their back legs. But I've been told that 
if you're ever attacked by a bear, you should never tuck your tail and run, okay? But you should instead make eye contact with that bear. I mean, look him right in the eye. And you should also sort of make yourself look a little bigger than life, maybe. It would be sort of funny to watch, but not so. And, and you should always face him. Even if you retreat, you should always face the bear as you're retreating. Now, I'm sure at some point you, you would turn, but for a ways, okay? And I think there's a valuable lesson in that for us spiritually as well. As we're facing giants in our life, that we face them. <laughs> that we face them. In the name of the Lord, face them with confidence. Realizing that the battle is the Lord's. And no, we're not going to tuck our tail and run. But the scripture says that His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And so we look at giants with that in mind. Another tip is to pray fervently. Pray fervently. How could we talk about taking on giants without mentioning perhaps the number one ingredient for success in our spiritual lives, in all of life, and that is prayer. Prayer. Now, we don't have recorded here that, that David knelt to pray before he whirled his sling. No, we don't have that recorded. But it's obvious by the way he spoke and by the way he acted that he was prayed up. Okay? It's obvious that, that there was a relationship there with God that was current. That was current. He well knew where his power came from. And it came from his daily personal communication with God. And the Psalms give many, many proofs of this. Well, just, just one little one where David says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And there's many, many, many examples through the Psalms revealing that David had a relationship with the Lord that was current. That was current. Prayer. The importance of prayer as we face giants in our life. Things that look overwhelming to us. The Bible talks much about prayer. We won't spend much time here, but the Apostle Paul says we must be instant in prayer. Now, that doesn't mean fast. That doesn't mean that we're not talking like instant oatmeal or anything like that. No, we're talking, about, we're talking about persevering. It has to do with earnestly. It talks about constant diligence. Be instant. Be diligent in prayer. Uh, the Apostle Paul also says, pray without ceasing. Have a, a lifestyle of prayer. Be in the spirit of prayer, communication with God. We also read in Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing or don't worry about things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto Pray about everything. There's nothing too small or too big to pray about. 
Uh, James writes about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person. How powerful that is. Do you ever wonder why you are struggling in a certain area in your life? You just can't overcome a certain area in your life? Why you can't seem to have a complete victory in certain areas in your life? Perhaps it's a lack of prayer. I read a statistic that said that the average Christian spends four minutes a day in Four minutes, and that included three meals. <laughs> okay. That's not enough. Okay, That's not enough. And, and, then, and then we wonder why we struggle so much. Then we wonder why we can't gain victory over this or that. Then we wonder why we lack enthusiasm for this, or courage for this, or direction for life. We can't figure it out. Uh, you, you married... Couples, imagine if you spent only four minutes a day with your spouse, relating to your spouse. Would, would that be enough? Would that produce a, a good, vibrant relationship? No, no. And I can assure you, it would not. And yet, how often do we think we can handle the situations that life has to bring without disciplining ourselves with effectual, fervent, Prayer times. Prayer is the key to power in our lives, but especially as we think of facing giants, facing big things, facing overwhelming things, prayer is the key to victory. Prayer is the key to power. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'll just make note of this, but there in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, taking and putting on the whole armor of God. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then he goes on to say all the things that we need to put on. Put on. And then he ends by saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In other words, he ends, he ends this by talking about prayer. Now, I don't think... I don't think that means that it was the least importance. No. I would like to think that he ended with it. He ended with talking about prayer so that we sooner remember it, perhaps. <laughs> okay? After we do all this, make sure that it is done in prayer. Okay? That's how we find strength. That's how we are strong. And so, do you want to have the courage? Do you want to be strong in the face of big things in your life? Do you want the power to take on giants in the coming days? Then I say, resolve with the help of God to be more instant in prayer. Make prayer a way of life. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too large to pray about. Lastly then, a tip for taking on giants, and not just taking them on, but defeating giants, if it is something to be defeated, is to be prepared. Stay in shape. 
Be prepared. Stay in shape. Now, you notice in verse 49 that David, his shot was right on the mark. Okay? He didn't just barely get him. No, he didn't have to quick pull another rock out. You see that his shot was dead on the money. Now, we hunters know the importance of that first shot. It's usually the only one we get. If we get a second shot, that's a rare thing. That's a rare thing. But usually we have one shot. I have a feeling that David wasn't just lucky when he hit Goliath square in the forehead with that stone. No, I don't believe he was. But I can imagine that he had plenty of opportunity out there on the hills with his sheep, practicing his slingshot. He had many opportunities. He'd probably pick out different things and practice. And You see, he was prepared. He was in shape. And yet he probably never dreamed that God was preparing him to face Goliath. As he was out there practicing, this was, for, this was to defend his sheep, okay? This was to protect the sheep. And so he would practice, and he got to be a real good marksman. Little did he know <laughs> that a big part of this was getting ready for that next giant. You see... David was simply being faithful in the normal duties of life. He was just being faithful in the everyday duties of life. But faithfulness in everyday duties of life is what prepares us for success in the bigger things. Don't ever forget that. Faithfulness in the, in the smaller, ordinary things of life is what prepares us for success in the bigger things. Being faithful in the smaller daily fights is what prepares us for taking on the giants. And so I ask you, are you staying fit spiritually? Are you in shape? Are you being faithful in the ordinary, mundane duties of life? Be prepared. Stay in shape. Well, that's a number of tips for taking on giants in our life today. And certainly we, we all, the Lord tarries, will all have opportunity to put these tips to practice. In the coming days, we're sure to face some things that look big. We're sure to face some overwhelming situations. And yet, may we take the example of David to heart when he said, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And so the story of David and Goliath is so much more <laughs> than a story about a little boy killing a big giant with a slingshot. It's so much more than that. It's a real life account that has lessons for us to learn. And that has principles for us to apply to our everyday life. And just as David's faith in God brought victory that day, even so today and in the coming days, we can be confident in the power of God. Once again, Jesus Christ 
is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is in that truth that we can find stability and courage to face the big things ahead of us. May the Lord bless you.